welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. My name's Tony, I'm one of the pastors here, and I've been running a series called... Called what? Go! Go. Everyone say, "Go." Go! And as Kath has already said... Two-thirds of God's name is... It's not stay and be comfortable. It's go. It's getting out of our comfort zones and doing something big and something good for God. That's New Testament Christianity. God didn't just save us, but He saved us for a purpose. Do you know that? And that's what this series has been about. It's been about stirring us and stimulating us to wholesome thinking, but more than that, so that we might actually do something. Amen? How many of you said, God, I'd love to do something. I just don't know what. Well, I think God in His wisdom would say, just do something. I think we often use the, Lord, I want to pray about that as an excuse for inactivity. You hear someone preach something, you might be talking about giving, it might be talking about fasting, it might be talking about attending the prayer meeting, and we say, that's cool, but I just want to pray about that. And it always freaks me out a bit, that whenever it comes to doing something for God, we pray about it. But everything else we don't pray about. How many of you prayed about watching television this week? No. How many of us prayed about the iPhone that we bought? How many of you are going to be seduced into buying the latest iPhone without even giving it a second thought? How many of you are going to buy an iPad and you don't even need one? You just got, oh, I've got an iPad, thank you! I've got an iPad. And within three weeks, it's already old because there's a new model out. And you say, come on, let's pray. Oh, I better pray about that. It's crazy. Let's just go. Let's just do it. Let's just have some fun in the meantime and just have a blast. Because we're not here on planet Earth for that long. We're not. If I could just represent eternity by the length of this stage, but it goes on for eternity, but let's just imagine we could measure it and it was at the edge of this stage and the edge of this stage. Do you know that the whole human existence would be represented by a dot on this stage. And that we would be represented as a speck on that dot, our life. And we place so much importance on that speck, on that dot in light of eternity. And we miss the point. I was saying in the pre-service prayer meeting that I think so many of life's questions cannot be answered because we have a wrong perspective. If you leave eternity out of the equation, most of the things that happen to you in this life won't make sense. Why do good things happen to bad people and why do bad things happen to good people? Why? Why do some people die and some people live? Why does some, you know, even one of the Psalms says, why do the unrighteous seem to prosper? And they're questions you can't answer if you leave eternity out of it. But if you bring eternity into the equation, it all makes sense perfectly good sense because in light of eternity this life really doesn't matter and all that matters is what we did while we were here and what we want to do with our time here on planet earth ultimately 
is to introduce people to the God of eternity. And that's what this series is all about. And we're not going to ever introduce anybody to the God of eternity while we just sit in our comfort zones and buy iPads and iPods and iPhones and, and sit on our iThrone. When you give your life to Jesus, you get off your iThrone and you let Him sit in the throne and we worship Him. He doesn't worship us. That's Christianity. And that's a Christianity that I want us as a local church to be a part of. And so please turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew 28. It's a portion of Scripture that we've read every week so far in this series. It is found in Matthew 28 verse 18 and it says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is what is known as the Great Commission. It's a co-mission. It's a common mission for all believers. When Jesus spoke these words, He expected every believer to be involved in this mission of reaching their world. Jesus came to the world and you and I as believers are meant to go into our world and to be missionaries into the world in which God has placed us. You can be a missionary in your work. You can be a missionary in your school. You can be a missionary in your university. You can be a missionary in your shopping centre. And you can be a missionary in India. You can be a missionary in Madagascar. They are some places that we're going to as a church this year. But I want to tell you, you don't have to go to India or you don't have to go to Madagascar to be a missionary. You've just got to go somewhere and say something. And that makes you a missionary. Amen. And so let me just very quickly recap. Because I believe without us getting involved in mission as a church, we'll get bored. There's a lot of bored Christians. And the reason they're bored is because it's their fault. To go to church every week and just to get something for yourself makes you very selfish and you get very bored very quick. But I want to tell you, the moment you start reaching out, it gets very exciting. I've been many things in my years of ministry, but one thing I've never been is bored. I've been mad, I've been glad, I've been sad. I've been ticked off. I mean, some people make me so mad. How many know what I'm on about? They make you so mad. I've been very mad, I've been very happy. I've been everything in between, but I've never been bored because... When you serve Jesus, there's no time or no room to be bored. And so this series is all about us being stirred. And so week one, we looked at some things about the fact that mission, uh, mission is an attribute of God. And I want to encourage us, if, you know, instead of just making this about a guilt trip, we're not doing enough, we better start doing. I'm not asking you to start doing, I'm asking you to start seeing differently. And if we could see... God in a new light, we would see him as a missionary God. And who wants to become more like God? We all do. Then we can get involved in the things that God is getting involved in. Um, we talked about it's God's mission, not ours. That without a mission, the church ceases to exist. And that mission starts at home. Week two was all about his presence, the proclamation and the persuasion that takes place through the Holy Spirit. The work the Holy Spirit plays in seeing lost people come to him. And week three was about loving God and loving people. And it was quite a challenging message, so I'm led to believe, but a biblical one nonetheless. And last week, we didn't actually get anywhere. We kind of got stuck on the whole bloke thing, which was fantastic. We had a few testimonies, which was great. And so I really want to conclude our series today, God willing. All right. And so please, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to John. We're going to read a few verses out of John. Because what I want to do is use Jesus 
who is the greatest example of all things, and what he did when it came to reaching his community. And John chapter 4 is a portion of Scripture where Jesus meets up with a, a woman and she's an unusual woman, as are most women, I find, uh, being a man and all. Uh, women are, are wonderful, but they're weirdly wonderful, if you know what I mean. Um, all right, okay. You guys, you sit there, oh, better, not say, better not support the pastor based on that point. Anyway, been doing real men for how many years and we still don't seem to have any real men in the place, just... Anyway, there we go. There's one. He's not married yet, but watch out. Um, he's a brave man. He's getting married in two weeks. Less than that. Less than two weeks. Is it, is it still on, Donna? Is that, did I just put you off? That comment? All right. Jesus talks with a Samaritan woman. The Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but the disciples. When the Lord learned of this, he left Judea and went once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near a plot of ground Jacob had given to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, we will, give, uh, sorry, will you give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the town to buy some food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it was who asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the wheat deep Sorry, the well is deep. Where would you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did also the sons and his flocks and herds? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands and the man that you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Biggest understatement in the Bible right there. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus declared, believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshippers must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah 
called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. Just then the disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want? Isn't that amazing? They're thinking it, but not saying it. Just like some of the men in this place this morning. Then leaving the water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they came out of the town and made their way toward him. There's some things that I want to highlight through the life of Christ that hopefully will help us to better engage the people of our community. Because that's really what we're called to do. If I say to you, we have to save the people of our community, there's this massive pressure on us which is unable to live up to. Because only God can save. But you know what? It is our responsibility to engage the people of our community, to not be ignored. And by and large, most people ignore the church. And so there are some things I believe that we can learn from the life of Jesus that hopefully will help us, help, help us. And that we won't just write this passage of Scripture off saying, oh, that's, Jesus is the Son of God, so it's easy for Him. There's some things He did as the Son of Man that I believe if we could be more aware of, that we could implement in our lives and so better engage the people of our community. Does that make sense? Yeah? Yeah? Cool? You got it? At the back there? Yeah? Uh-huh. No? Give me a nod. Yes, cool, excellent, fantastic, good. And so, without further ado, let me go through some things. Number one, Jesus was very aware. And so you and I need to be people that are aware. Everyone say aware. We need to be aware. It says, when the Samaritan woman came to draw water. In other words, she had come to do something. But Jesus was aware that this was a moment. You might see people just coming to the shops and getting some food. You might see some people coming to the petrol station just getting some petrol. But Jesus was more aware than most of us. And we miss opportunities, I believe, because we're not aware enough. And I want to encourage you to become a people that are far more aware than we presently are. Jesus was aware that there is a woman and while she was there to get some water, it was an incredible opportunity for him. In actual fact, there are many times in the Scriptures where we read that Jesus, being aware of certain things, was able to act in a different spirit than those that were also in the room. I mean, the disciples were there, but they didn't seem to pick up on what Jesus was picking up on. And I want us to be a people that can be far more aware. In Matthew 26, verse 8, it says that the disciples saw this woman pouring perfume on Jesus and they were indignant. And the Bible goes on to say that Jesus, being aware of this, was able to say, why are you bothering this woman? She's done a beautiful thing. In other words, the disciples saw the very same thing as Jesus did, but they missed the point. And I wonder if Jesus was here on on planet earth as he was 2,000 years ago and followed us around, if he would pick up on situations and circumstances that we see every day, but we're just not aware of it. Because we're more aware of the things that we've got to do. 
and get to. And as a church, while I love our times of worship together, and while I love meeting together, and while I enjoyed our building project that we shared together, all of that has a purpose. And that purpose for us being left on planet Earth is to ultimately see people come to Christ. But I'm also very aware that the church doesn't have a lot of credibility in our community. And so to first engage the people of our community, we have to build up that credibility. You can't just go in and start talking about Jesus when actually you've been on Facebook saying all sorts of dumb things. You can't invite them straight to church when their perception of church is something that actually, you know what, your lifestyle is actually enforcing. We had an evening the other night, we called it the bloke, it was on Friday night and it was just for blokes, 18 and over. And it's interesting because there are some religious prophetic people in the community that phoned in and abused us. Apparently prophets don't need to operate in grace, they can just do whatever they want. They don't even have to tell you their name or the church they go to, they can just abuse you in the name of prophecy, it's amazing. And yet my Bible says that prophecy is for the strengthening, encouraging and edification of the church. Anyway, they seem to miss that point. But they were abusing us and prophesying eternal damnation on us as a church because we dare bring beer into the church. But we do events like that because I'm very aware of what people are thinking when it comes to the church. And the bloke for us was an opportunity just to break down barriers and bring some credibility again. And the best testimony that I heard all night was this, and I heard it a number of times. It was that we've had just as much fun as we ever would on any Friday night, but it was without the fear of our lives. We knew it wouldn't get out of control. And we had a great time. And you know what? If we could be far more aware of what others want or what others need or what others are thinking, we could be far more effective. But often we're just aware of what we want. I want the worship to go longer. The worship was cut off this morning. It's not the point. Of course we could worship longer. We could worship all day. We could worship all night. You could pray for me and I could pray for you. We could fall over and tickle each other and laugh till the cows come home. But there's a world out there that are lost. You imagine if Jesus was just worshipping all the time. He wouldn't have had this moment. In actual fact, I think Jesus was onto something. It, said, it often says, he said, they sang, a, they sang a song and left. Have you read that? They sang a song and they left. Because we create a subculture in church and we make it all about us and we become totally irrelevant to those that we say we're trying to reach. And I, for one, had an absolute blast on the Friday night Ministering to well over 100, possibly 150 people who have never been in church. And I was aware that I was going to preach. And I was also aware of what they would think the moment they knew I was going to preach. This is what the average Aussie is thinking when he's been invited to a bloke night where there's beer, burger and bands and boxing. And then this punk gets in the ring and says, hey, I just want a few seconds of your time while I share something. I know what they're thinking. I'm very aware of what they're thinking. I won't use their language, but they are. And they're thinking, oh no, we've been hoodwinked. 
All this is about him just going to preach at us now. And they're thinking, the guy who invited me, he's dead when I get home. (laughs) Being aware of that, I want to honour all those men that have invited their friends. And so I reckon I've got about a minute to get them on side. And so I, I make some comment. And I think, what can I say within a minute in order to get them on board? And so I stand in the ring and I think, I've got to, I'm going to let them know why we as a church do an event like this. Because that's the question. I know the question out there. I'm aware the question out there is, why would a church do that? The Christians want to, want to, the Christians want to know that. Why would the church do that? Beer and boxing in the church, it's not on. And the world are going, beer and boxing? How can the church do that well? So there's this question around the whole night. And I know that. Why? Because I'm aware of it. Being aware of it, I can go and answer that question. Jesus was aware so he could answer certain questions. He says, why are you bothering this woman? Because he was aware of what was going on. We could be so much more effective if we were aware more than we are. And so I'm very aware of what these guys are thinking. And I'm also aware of those guys that have bought their friends a thing. And they think, Tony, you better not blow this. Or you're dead, man. So there's this pressure on me. You didn't think about that, did you? Everyone was praying for poor old Andy because he didn't, you know, might get beaten up. I mean, there's more pressure on me. If I blow this, I'm going to get pummeled by everybody. And so I've got this moment. And so I say, guys, I just want a, a second of your time, a few minutes of your time, just explain why we as a church put on an event like this. We are putting an event like this because I am sick and tired of church being perceived as a place where little old ladies of both sexes gather. And with that, everyone went, Ray! And I saw everyone relax. And, and then there were guys who were sitting there thinking like, you know, they're like, go on. And it was an amazing thing happened. In the 15 minutes, I don't know how long it was. I think it was about 15 minutes. Could have blown out to 20. I don't know. I do that occasionally. But in the short time, comparatively for me, that I spoke... You know, an amazing thing happened. No one moved. I don't get that happening in church. You can get up and go to the toilet whenever you want. You do whatever you want. In this meeting, no one moved. People are sitting there like, wow. It's amazing. Some guy leaned over and said, how old is that guy? (laughs) What's that got to do with it? They told him my age and they, he said, oh, I thought he was much younger than that. <laughs> my point is this. If you can be aware of what's going on, you'll be able to speak into the situation. Often we're not aware of what's really going on, so we react. But Jesus was very aware. If I wasn't aware what the guys are thinking, and I think, right, this is my opportunity. Shut the doors, lock the doors. I'm going to preach to them. <laughs> and I start, okay, open your Bibles and start preaching. They're not coming back. And some of the precious people of this church are going to be really ticked off with me. So we've got to be aware. I'm aware that more women go to church than men. And I'm aware that a lot of the men that go to church are women-like. 
And most real Aussie men know that. That's why they stay away. That's why we did the boxing. Because I'm aware that's what they're thinking. I'm aware most red-blooded Aussie males aren't going to sit in here and have love sessions to Jesus, a guy they don't even know. But they will come for a bit of blood and a bit of biff. And I'm also aware that a moment like that doesn't get somebody saved, but it's an opportunity to build credibility with the church. And credibility it has done in the lives of many of those guys. And you watch this space. You watch this space. Over the next month, year or two, we'll see many of those guys, I know we will, give their lives to Christ and come And they'll say, there was a moment, there was a moment. And and again, I'm not against love songs to Jesus. I'm not. I love Jesus. And I love worshipping him. I love singing songs. In actual fact, every person who ever stays in our home makes this comment. You guys are always singing. And, and, And that's my answer to you who think our worship doesn't go long enough, just get up early and sing at home a bit more. So that we don't just put your preference onto everyone else. Because it's not just about us, it's about the people we're trying to reach. Does that make sense? And so I want to encourage you to be aware. It saddens me when people won't come to an event like the bloke I mean, if you're a woman, you've got an excuse. You weren't invited. (laughs) But to not go to a bloke's night because you don't like boxing, when we had over 150 guys that didn't know Christ, an opportunity to meet people, I have to ask the question, are you into people? See, I'm very aware people make weak excuses just to get out of doing some things. And if you're into people... I wouldn't have to like what we're doing. I would just use an opportunity to meet some of those people. Because the boxing was the smallest part of the night. It really was. And so number one, we need to be aware. Number two, we need to be relevant. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said, how's the sheep going? No. He said this, she's come to draw water. And this is what Jesus said. Will you give me a drink? It's not rocket science. He takes something of what she's about and talks to her about that. See, some of us could be more effective in engaging our community if we just knew more about our culture. You know, I go on about the crows and the poor all the time. I'm actually not a big footy fan. Because let's face it, the Crows and Port are both doomed this year. <laughs> they both suck, says the Lord. You actually don't have to be a prophet to know that. that if either of them get in the eight this year, it would be a miracle. But I do that because I know many others are into football. I'll talk about soccer because it's the best game in the world, number one. But World Cup's on. And so you've got to be relevant. And we as a church try to do church in a way that honours God, but is also relevant to 
our community and society. And so much of what you see up here is not for our benefit, but it's to engage with the people of our community. Do you get that? And that's why we do what we do. It's why we talk like we talk. It's why we don't use old English Bibles. Not because they're wrong. It's because people don't understand it. And so we want to use simple illustrations to make a powerful point. And Jesus was brilliant at it. When he spoke to fishermen, he spoke about fishing. When he spoke to shepherds, he spoke about sheep. This is what we do. We talk about you know, sheep to people in Adelaide in 2010. And people think, what? Are you from New Zealand? <laughs> and whenever I preach or talk, particularly when we do an outreach evening, it's about engaging people. And so when I was standing in the boxing ring on the bloke night, I didn't speak about sheep or shepherds. Because they'd just be like, why would you do that? But I thought, I'm standing in a boxing ring, so why not talk about boxing? And I just talked about three things that boxing has taught me about life. And my last point was simply this, that nothing just happens. That's what boxing's taught me about. What do you mean nothing just happens? Well, an event like this, it didn't just happen. There was an organiser, there was a creator to tonight's event. It didn't just happen. Someone planned it, someone thought it, someone worked it, someone made it happen. And I said, if that's true for a silly little boxing event, how much more the universe? It didn't just happen. We've got some guys sitting there thinking, hmm, that makes sense. Got to be relevant. See, Jesus told parables to people because of the culture that they lived in. We take those parables he used and it's out of context now because we don't have the same culture. So when you talk about sheep and shepherds in our culture, they're like, oh, what? They're thinking, when's he going to get out the felt board? Because that's what we used to do in Sunday school back in the day, a little felt board. And the church was so impoverished, those felt boards were so old, the things never even stuck anyway. And you spend more time trying to get that stupid thing up there. You laugh, but you know what? That's what people think. But this is what we do. We, we put all this preparation and we think, because I put all this preparation in, they better honour my time. No, they won't. What I love about Oz is if you're boring, if you suck, they'll tell you. Love that. It's fantastic. So we've got to bring... Relevance into our life. Because we need to bring credibility, like I keep saying. Thirdly, we need to be real. In John 14, verse 6, it says, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And the word truth simply means the sum total of all reality. We've got to be real. What I love about Jesus is his words matched his life. If you want to be effective in this going that we're talking about and engaging our community, our words need to match our lives. I say that because preaching doesn't win people. People win people. So you can say the right things. I, mean, I, I, just, I don't seem to win anybody. They don't seem to listen to me. Yeah, because they're looking at your life. 
because in life, you're an idiot. You got good truth, you speak good truth, but you live like an idiot. Good truth, not worked out in your life, equals idiot. Sorry to use these terms. I don't think that of you, but people do. And it's better to have a revelation today that you're an idiot that is loved by God and the church anyway, because we'll love you. But the people trying to reach won't. See, here's the problem. We've taken a truth. God loves me no matter what I do. That is true. But that's got nothing to do with evangelism. It's got nothing to do with mission. It's got nothing to do with engaging our culture. That just simply means that God loves you. But it's got nothing to do with you building credibility in the people that we're trying to reach. And so we've got to be real. Christians must first be good news before they share good news. An old, old, old friend of mine that I knew from Skateline days has been in contact with us through Facebook more recently. And it's interesting as we've just reconnected and uh, done a couple of meals together and gone roller skating together. This is more recently. It's an amazing thing because I had a phone call not long ago. Now, we haven't spoken for over 20 years. We've just recently been in contact again. And within a very short period of time, this person rings me and says, can we talk? Because they're going through a situation. And so without preaching, they're now ringing me for help. Christians have to first be good news before they share good news. And this is what she said. She said, I want to ask you because you've got such a wonderful family. She didn't say because you're a minister. No one gives a toss about being a minister. Nobody. You're a Christian, I'll go to you. They don't care about you being a Christian. Everyone's a Christian, you ask them. They want to know and they want to see it outworked in your life. And because of my marriage... And because of our kids, she says, can you help me? Oh, that's sweet. So that's why I keep going on about this whole Facebook thing. And I, I realize that's aimed more at the young ones. You can't be saying Jesus loves you, but on Facebook telling everyone to F off. You can't. But just because we were a little bit wiser and smarter older ones, we wouldn't do that because that's too obvious. That's what I love about young ones, they're obvious. Their sins are obvious. But older older people, their sins are just as real. They're just not as obvious. And so we say, oh, I would never do that. Oh, it's ridiculous. Yeah, but you'll say it. You'll speak behind people's back. And while we do that, we have no credibility. We've got to be real. Isn't it amazing, a few weeks ago, a few months ago now, when I stood up here and apologized, there's an incredible moment that came to the meeting as I apologized for something I said the week earlier, and I realized people are craving reality. I didn't blame anyone, I didn't blame the moment I was in, I didn't blame the situation. We just took ownership because that's being real. And if we could be real... 
I think we'd be far more effective engaging our community. Fourthly, they were focused. In verse 6, it says, Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down. In other words, Jesus was tired, but he wasn't that tired. Do you get that? He was tired, but he wasn't that tired to miss a moment. And and I I don't think it's wrong for Christians to be busy, but let's not be that busy that we miss opportunities. Jesus was tired, but he wasn't that tired that he missed the opportunity. He saw an opportunity and took it because he was focused. See, here's the notion that's out there. If I didn't have to go to all the church meetings, I could be out there doing what you're on about, Tony, and spending time with the people that you're talking about spending time with. But here's the thing. I have never known anyone to back off from church attendance or to stop going to church and reach people. I've never, it's never, I've never seen it. Because it ain't time with people that wins people. It's focus that wins people. And what we found to be true, the most effective Christians are those that are most committed because the most committed are the most focused. And because they're committed and they're focused, they look for opportunities. They see things other unfocused people don't see. Let me ask you this. At this moment, where are the disciples? They're off getting food. Which speaks to me of many Christians that are off and are hungry for other things. Jesus is hungry for people and we get hungry for iPads and iPhones. And we've got to have the latest this and the latest that. And we miss opportunities. So we've got to be a focused people. And I say that because with what we're doing as a church and what took place at the bloke the other night, be ready. Because your mates are going to ask some good questions. They will. And if you're not ready for it, you'll miss the opportunities. So how focused are we? Or are we more like the disciples? We're off doing other things. I used to go to church. That's why I don't want any of us, and I'm going to finish on this point, if our musicians can come. I've got a lot more, but we can do that later. I don't want any adult in this place to dampen what is taking place in our young ones on this camp. Oh, I used to be like you. I remember being 19 and speaking to someone who was 32. They were old. I used to think so, they're old, 32. And this wisdom of this 32-year-old who had young kids and family and house and mortgage said, I used to be like you. I used to think like you did. But you wait till you get to my age, you'll calm down. And I took that as such an insult. And the moment got the better of me. And I said, I'll never be as boring or as miserable as you are. You're using your age as an excuse. I've I've gone past 32 so many years ago, I can't even remember now. I said to this person, how can I get less enthusiastic about the things of God with X amount of more years of wisdom and revelation and reading and praying, testimonies? How How am I meant to calm down? I know a lot more than I knew back then. 
I'm more on fire and more in love with Jesus than ever before. It sickens me that as we get older, we lose our fire for the things of God. And you might say, hey, we're doing things you don't know about. But that's the problem. You're not telling us. We ask for praise reports and and testimonies. We're a family. We want to celebrate together. Our kids can vouch for this. Every night we get together, say, okay, what happened at school? I want to know. That's what families do. Tell us. The Bible says, never tire and never grow weary of doing good. We're going to break bread. And the reason we do this is because Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took the cup and he said, This is my blood. And it's symbolic of the blood that will be shed for your forgiveness. He took the cup, uh, the bread, and he said, This is my body and it's been broken for you. And so, in this incredible meal, we can find forgiveness. We can find healing and we can find wholeness. And that's what every believer has in Christ. And if that is true, and it is, isn't it only fitting, isn't it only fair that we make the most of the opportunity that's been given to us to reach out and engage our community? If we're not doing that, we need the eyes of our heart to be opened afresh. I remember preaching at a leadership meeting a message similar to this six years ago. And I said, I don't consider myself an evangelist, but I do consider myself a lover of people. And at that time, our oldest daughter, who's now 12 today, she was just starting school. And I said, this is our strategy and this is our plan. As she starts school, we're gonna make that school one of a number of our missionary fields. And little by little, day by day, week by week, term by term, year by year, we've chipped away. We now have in our church the principal of the junior school in this church, him and his wife and their kids, great family. And he told me just this week, he had a meeting and the principal of the school said, guess what's just happened recently? What church do you think now is represented more than any other in this school? And he said, it's victory. That was not the case six years ago. It wasn't the case three years ago. And not that that was ever our goal to be the biggest, it's just to reach people. And we've seen people come. Yeah, some are other Christians, but many of those got saved into this church just as we've just worked together. And it's not like one person can claim I was responsible. We just worked together, just loving on a community of people that God has put into our care. And it's such a thrilling thing. And this whole series has been about highlighting the fact it's not that hard. We've made serving Jesus hard. Do you know why? Because we fight Him on everything. 
Christianity is not hard if you just give in. Have you, ever, have you ever felt like I've got to apologise to someone but you don't want to? You know how miserable your life can get? I, just, I know I've got to apologise but I just don't want to. I know I've got to and I will one day but until then I'm going to enjoy my hatred. I'm going to enjoy my misery. I'm going to enjoy it. And it just gets worse and worse and worse. And then you finally have the revelation oh, and you just say, look, I'm sorry. And just the burden that lifts. I believe there's so many miserable, boring, unhappy Christians because they're just fighting the will of God for their lives. And as we take this meal this morning, I just want to encourage you just to surrender to God. Just to surrender to Him. Afresh, your life. Get off your eye throne. And let Him be Lord and Master. Because that's what Christianity is. It's not just about inviting Him as Saviour. He's Lord and Saviour. Amen. Let's stand. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen and God bless.